My name is Steve Seelan. I'm the owner, orchardist, and cider maker at South Hill Cider. Well, it's always great to be back in the Finger Lakes. Great to be here at uh, South Hill Cider. Thanks for having us, Steve. Oh, you bet. Thanks for coming. Always good to have you visit. So I guess the first thing I want to talk about is, why is the cider so good in the Finger Lakes? That is a good question. We have good fruit. That's probably the, the primary reason. Uh, there's been wine around here for a long time, and I think a lot of us have, have sort of picked up, um, yeah, picked up a lot of not just our technical knowledge, but just our palates from hanging out with winemakers, drinking a lot of wine. Yeah, because I think yeah. a lot of people don't realize that, you know, cider is apple. It's wine made from apples, right? Yeah. Yeah, the only difference between what people call wine and what we call cider is the fruit that it's made from. Yeah, we use apples. But, yeah. So, what, so good, good fruit. What, what, what makes good fruit? What makes good cider fruit? That's a good question. It's probably Full about... Of good questions, Steve. I'm yeah, good no, questions. these are good questions. I mean, they, they seem so basic and so simple, but you're, you like get right to the core, you know? Oh, no, no, no pun, pun intended. Um, it's probably the same, you know, if people talk about what makes good wine, you know, it's just, it's fruit that's, uh, you've got varieties that have, you know, the potential to make good flavor and then they're grown in a way where they can really live up to their potential. Um, whether, and also, I mean, the climate and the soils is probably ultimately like why, why it can be so good here and maybe not in another place is we have soils that have a lot of, um, Minerals, uh, they're glaci glacially derived. Um, we've got uh, good temperatures. It stays cool at night, even all the way through the summer and into the fall. So cool nights are always good because the fruit retains. It's like putting them in the refrigerator every night. You know, they, yeah. they retain a lot of their um, sugar and acidity so they can, you know, turn take the sunlight during the day and turn it into sugar and acid and flavor. And then at the night time when it's cool, it, it hangs onto it. So I think that those are like the basics, good soil and, and good temperatures. Some and I moisture. think something that like one of the first things I learned about cider was, um, I mean, the varieties are important. You can't make cider. I mean, there's a lot of cider that's made with who knows what kind of culinary apples, Granny Smith, Macintosh, whatever, but that's not really where it's at. Well, you know, that's an interesting, yeah, that's an interesting point because um, that's always kind of how I viewed wine too, that you've got, you know, some grapes that make great wine and other grapes like maybe Concord that, you know, doesn't make good wine. Yeah. But in the big picture, like that's putting a judgment on it. Some people think that Concord wine is good wine, you know, some people like it. And so it's got its own place. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I guess I'm just defending the kind of cider that I don't make in a way there. Yeah. But yeah, so you, <laughs> to be clear, yes. <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can take culinary fruit, fruit that's grown for eating and make cider out of it. But that is like trying to make wine out of table grapes. You can do yeah. it, but it's not necessarily going to be a complex, dry, fine wine. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm constantly comparing it to grapes because I think people understand inherently a little more about grapes and wine than they do about apples and cider, but it's really the same thing. So most cider that's made is made using culinary apples like Honeycrisp, Gala, Fuji, Macintosh, and those apples just don't have the structure and you know um, foundation 
to make a really fine dry cider. You can make a sweet cider that's bubbly and tons of people are going to love it, but yeah. it's just not. So not what, what I mean, what are some of the varieties that, that you do use? Um, a lot of the varieties, uh, the, that especially that we first planted, are European varieties that were grown mostly in England and France for hundreds of years for cider making. Um, some of the names are Dabinet, uh, Fricon Rouge, Chisel Jersey, Harry Masters Jersey, Tremlett's Bitter, Porter's Perfection. The names are amazing. I love, I the, love names. the names. <laughs> yeah. I love the names. Yeah. If you were if you were an apple, which would you be? Wow. I I have no idea. Really? Yeah. If I You've were never an thought apple, about it? No. All those hours in the in the <laughs> orchard? <laughs> I never thought of who I would be, no. I'd be question. the chiseled jersey, of yeah, course. Yeah, you, you would. Jer- <laughs> yeah, yep. How about you? Says the jersey man. I am. Mm, I mean, like, Espes Spitzenberg has like a ring to it, though. <laughs> yeah, right? that's good. I mean, like, yeah, I would. I would like to think that I would be Porter's perfection. <laughs> Not because of yeah. the name at all, but the tree is very. Um, it's it's easy going. It's flexible, uh, but and the fruit is very well balanced. You can make a cider out of it all by itself. So, you know, yeah, I, I would I would shoot for that balance. Yeah. What are we drinking? <laughs> this is the Palm Surly. Palm Surly. Okay. Yeah, it's it's one that I've made. Uh, we've bottled it twice now. First one I think was from 2015. And this one was from 2018. And uh, this one is it's a still cider. Um, usually when we, when we do tastings with people, especially um, just I love doing it with random people that come in the tasting room, we always include a still cider in the, in the tasting because most people do not think of cider without bubbles. Yeah, which so. I think is a really interesting thing to touch on because when I first kind of came into more like understanding and trying like, artisanal ciders that was definitely a new concept for me absolutely yeah that i mean we're 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 starting at the the deep end here mm-hmm. okay so this palm sir lee what do you think it's fantastic fantastic yeah so okay it's unfined unfiltered is mm-hmm. it wild fermented mm-hmm. wild fermented and then it mm-hmm. it ages on the lees ages on the lees in barrel for um at least a year and a half Okay. And for those that don't know what lees are, can you explain that to our listeners? Yeah, lees are, they're the solids that fall out. There's different kinds of lees, but these are the lees from fermentation. So when, when the juice ferments, yeast grows and ferments the cider, and those yeast reproduce. And as they reproduce, some of them die and they fall to the bottom. Those are the lees. So when the fermentation is done, all of the yeast that was growing to ferment the cider falls to the bottom and creates, um, you know, almost like a dust on the bottom. And you can stir it up to, um, it, it puts its energy back into the, the, the cider if you stir it up. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a common winemaking procedure, primarily yes. in red wine, but other wines can use it, yeah. And it has a, it has a significant effect. There's a lot of chemistry that people can geek out on what's happening, but yeah, long story short, it works. But I mean, I think that this is again, like you know, we, we talk a lot about natural wine on this podcast, and 
just winemaking in general. I mean, I think it would surprise a lot of people that this is how cider is made because I think a lot of people think of cider in the same context as maybe beer, craft beer or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where cider, the term cider just, it, it's slightly problematic because it, it refers to many different kinds of beverages. In the wine world, there's very clear restrictions on what you can call wine. You know, you can't take a product and use 50% grape juice and 50% water and add sugar and flavor and carbonate it and put it in a 12-ounce bottle and sell it at the gas station and call it wine. It's, like, illegal. Mm -hmm. But cider, it's legal to do that. So the term cider is very confusing to consumers because it encompasses this huge range of products unlike in the grape world. So we're constantly having to try and explain to people what cider is and what cider isn't and a lot of it has to go you know i think ultimately it has to do with labeling you know labeling laws and labeling restrictions that it's you know legal to call many things cider that are not just 100 percent fermented apples which is essentially what we are making right and we talk a lot actually about the labeling for ciders and kind of the level of information that's on there for somebody new that you know doesn't really know much about you know different styles and, you know, types of apples. Um, But it's interesting because we were recently just talking about how uh, you can't really label a vintage on a cider and how different cider makers kind of sneak that in there. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, there's there's a lot of different things that... um, Do you do that with this one? Well, let's see if you can find it. (laughs) Yeah, we we do our best to make it very clear with what year the yeah it the, says it says batch is. number 2018 there so, you go there we yeah. go yeah so you could get you know you could get to the bottom of it and and different labels get approved you know differently sometimes um they will get approved with you know a batch number right on the front mm-hmm. that looks like a vintage date and serves as a vintage date sometimes they reject that and have you put on the back label there's many different ways. One of our ciders has to say apples grown in 2018, and then we'll say bottled in 2019, disgorged on this date. So we can you know, specify that. Um, it's very inconsistent. But I think the idea also that we, we would be drinking a, you know, almost three-year-old cider is something most people aren't accustomed to either, really. There must be people that come into your tasting room and are like, oh, this is an aged cider or a cider that has some, you know, some years aging on it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At that point they start looking at it more like wine, which is great. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. So I guess probably it's helpful then that, I mean, this is obviously it's a a wine region with a long history as well as like an up and coming wine region, you know, always up and coming the finger lakes, you know, (laughs) forever, perennially up and and coming. Right. (laughs) But, you know, I think the two things that, when we've talked about this a lot, I think the two things that are, you know, kind of the standards with the Finger Lakes cider is high acidity and an alcohol level that's approaching a wine-like level of alcohol. Would you, I mean, are there other kind of, you know, what, I mean, what would, what would you, how would you, how do you know when you're, you have a Finger Lakes cider? That's a good question. No, that is, I think, if there is a Finger Lake style, I think that would be it. You know, high, high, high acid and high enough alcohol that it's, you know, that it's really wine, that it's, 
generally, I mean, some of our ciders, you press the apples, ferment them, and they're over 10% alcohol, even without adding any for secondary fermentation from carbonation. So yeah, just um, the natural level of sugars. Yeah. 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 And part of it has to do with climate. Part of mm -hmm. it has to do with soils. Part of it also has to do with varietal selection. You know, the apples that we grow also are generally higher, higher bricks than certainly than grocery store apples, which is what some people use. <laughs> some people. <laughs> We're not naming names today. So one of the things though that you just mentioned is like the finger lakes up and coming up and coming up. do you feel like people say, continuously like say that about the cider industry in general when really cider is one of the oldest drinks you know yeah it, it is kind of a joke at this point like every year it's like the new thing it's it's perennially <laughs> like yeah this yeah. new thing but it kind of is to a lot of people still it is still new to a lot of people yeah, yeah to most people to most yeah. people. Yeah. So, yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I mean, do you have people, you know, do you have people come here to the fire pits and everything and, and, are, and, and they have never had this kind of cider? At oh, least. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 It, it, you just expect it at this point that a, when a group of people walks in, you're going to have several people in that group being like, I don't like cider. <laughs> and then as soon as they taste it, like, oh, what is this? I like this. Yeah. By the time they leave, they're fully converted. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that still happens. It's, it's normal. That's, yeah. that's the normal experience for, for people. But what's yeah. the normal here? What would be the one that, you know, is the, the conversion mm -hmm. vehicle, right? Like, I'm sure it's not this still cider, this palm. No. Lake, which it, is, I think a little bit, we've jumped into the deep end with this one. Right. Yeah. 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 There are some people definitely that, you know, that's, that's really what gets them going. I would say it's like a bone dry, high acid champagne style cider. Like our Baldwin is just, you know, it's hundred percent Baldwin apples and it's, it just reminds people of a dry sparkling wine and I that's, yeah. Love the Baldwin. And I, that's, that's actually one Is that of what you would be the bald one. You know, maybe I would be the bald. One. Awesome. <laughs> I, um, that's one of the last bottles that I, I had that I just, um, fish out of the basement about like a week ago and served to one of my friends that was, um, over we're vaccinated by the way, if this is going to be a thing. Um, but no, and you know, not a huge cider person, but really appreciates like dry, you know, champagnes, you know, and she was shocked. That's yeah. the experience. That's yeah. the one right there. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think you and I have had a lot of conversations about the, the regional style, right? And I think maybe that's the next frontier for cider is like the, you know, I mean, with wine, it's like, well, this wine's from Oregon, this wine's from, you know, Napa Valley, this wine's from Barolo, whatever, mm. you know, and mm. it, that doesn't exist for cider really. I mean, yeah, vaguely there's ciders from, the West, you know, counties of England or Normandy or, you know, the Basque country or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. a vast area. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in the U.S., we don't really have – there are regional styles, but they're not named as such. Yeah, they're yeah. not defined. Right. Yeah, and there's certainly no controls on labeling them that way. Is that something you think we'll see? I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I really think that will – I think I really think that that is the, um, you know, sort of a hurdle that that cider has to get over, and that if 
if there are regions that really kind of like can figure out what they do best and then define that as a style and have a bunch of producers that make a cider in that style and figure out how to label it in such a way and then you have another region do the same thing it will help people to look at cider uh, not just look at it but understand cider in a deeper way than they can right now when there's so much variability there's just too much noise um i mean a lot of it yeah comes down to labeling and and what you call things and uh some some makers you know look to the government for those issues like what i was complaining about earlier about you can take 50 percent apple juice and 50 percent water and carbonate it and add stuff and still call it cider that that's a problem and yeah i'm kind of compl complaining about the way the government defines cider but you don't have to rely on the government to do you know i guess what what i'm talking about here is if producers in a region decided okay this is our style let's all make a cider in this style and someone on the other side of the country had their style they all did it and then those two styles could be viewed in a much different way that i think would elevate yeah, it would elevate ciders. Um, I want to just say that, that that sound in the background is uh, it's very windy on the South Hill today. It is windy today. <laughs> There's a wind advisory. We usually have a little more of a breeze up here, but it's not always that windy. Okay, all right, can you tell us a little bit about where we are right now? Sure, yeah. we're uh, Right now we're four miles south of um, downtown Ithaca. And... Um, even I guess before that, you know, we're, we are <clears throat> on ancestral lands of um, Goyacono Native Americans. They were the ones uh, that were here for, you know, many centuries before Europeans. They were forced out by Europeans, and so the land that we're on right now was um, taken from them. So it's always worth acknowledging that uh, when we're talking about where we are. Um, and so it's the Cayuga Lake Valley. So we're looking across a, a valley that uh, four miles north of here is Cayuga Lake. It's one of the Finger Lakes, and they're glacially uh, created lakes. Um, and we're sitting at the edge of the orchard. We planted this orchard starting in 2014, specifically for cider making. And uh, there's about uh, probably 2,000 trees out there. And we're sitting in a tasting room that we built two years ago. So we planted the orchard, grew the fruit. Uh, we were wholesaling cider for years before that. Then we got to the point our production was up enough. We decided it was safe to take out a big loan and build a building and a tasting room. And <laughs> it seems to be working. No, and it's a beautiful space. Um, I first visited last summer, and I have to say, beautiful. It's you know even on a little bit of an overcast, windy day, but when it's nice, sunny. I mean, out on those picnic tables and even some live music, which I hear you are quite the musician. Can you tell us about this? It's all relative, you know, but um, yeah, I, I play traditional, traditional music. And that, that's partly what got me into cider, really, because I was playing in wineries for 10 years. And that's really what got me tasting wine, meeting winemakers and um, realizing that the cider we made was better than most cider we could buy and better than some of the wine that we were drinking so but before you were making cider you were making fiddles right 
Um, I apprenticed with the violin maker, but right. I was okay. pretty much doing oil changes on fiddles. I was oh, you know, okay. doing new bridges and fingerboards, and you know, I was taking care of other people's instruments mostly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did make some instruments, but that was not my main gig. <laughs> right. But creative. I mean, like, and it's interesting because cider making is very, and I think the type of cider that you're doing is of creative process in itself. Um, you know. In the Finger Lakes, it's interesting because I don't know, just as kind of like a general enthusiast, how many people, uh, you know, understand that there's a high concentration of such good artisanal ciders. Would you say, I mean, this is probably, you know, the highest concentration of in the country? I mean, I think some regions, like in Michigan, they might argue, yeah. right? You know, but... but yeah, no, I believe that for sure. <laughs> I mean, I um, made the case in my book. I think I called it the Napa Valley of cider, yeah. right? So, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I'm flipping through the pages. This, you know, all right. I just I want to just set the scene that Steve has set out a bunch of my books here today. <laughs> they weren't staged, really. They they live there. That is where it is. And, and I and the reason I can flip to this page is because this this happens all the time in here when we're talking about cider with people that are coming in here. I mentioned this book. And then I, I quote Jason right here on page 203, where he says, the Finger Lakes, particularly the Isthmus between Seneca Lake and Cayuga Lake, is the most important cider region in the U.S. He goes on to talk more, but I, I like to quote him that. on that one. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember writing that, and it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah, there's a high concentration of, of people making good cider here. And, yeah, I mean, I attribute that. I mean, it's the fruit. It's the proximity to the wine makers, the wineries, the wine industry, but then also Cornell uh, University is here and they have a research orchard that many of us benefited from for years where they had English and French bittersweet apples in their orchard that for, for a decade before I was making cider commercially, I would go there and buy those apples to make, to make cider just for myself. So a lot of us learned how to work with those fruits and yeah, I think cider. that's an important thing to point out because I mean that's what Napa Valley had the benefit of UC Davis there, right? The same right. it was the mm -hmm. same kind of relationship mm -hmm. to the wine industry, you know. So I know everybody that's a cliche like the Napa Valley of X, like you know, Vermont's supposedly the Napa Valley of cheese, you know, like the there's the Napa Valley of everything, but you know, you know, it's just right. the, it's the finger licks. It's yeah, it is what it is. Where can people, you know? that aren't visiting the Finger Lakes, where and how could they possibly get South Hill Cider? Uh, the easiest way is just to mail order it direct. I mean, there's 40 states that we ship to and a bunch of the small producers can, can ship to now. Um, so that's the easiest, easiest way to, to get it. You can learn a lot about it, reading about it on the website and, and order it direct. Uh, it's not really distributed all that widely. Um, you know, I, I mean, I do say that, you know, we have cider from coast to coast, like from Oakland to, to Brooklyn, but really there's nothing in between, <laughs> just us. Yeah. Right, right. And it, so when people kind of look at, you know, this tier of cider, I think that part of the, you know, issue is like we talk a lot about accessibility. Um, you know, you can order cider online. You can join awesome cider clubs like yours, it's a plug, I'm on it, you should sign up for it. Um, but no, I mean, you can't go into, you know, for most places, you can't just pop into your local bottle shop and pick it up. 
So I think that that is kind of one of the things that is preventing a lot of people from discovering, you know, these types of cider. But in terms of, you know, promoting online sales and cider clubs, do you feel like that is the, you know, way to just get this work, get the word out more? That's a good question. I'm, that's kind of all we have right at this point. It's just, it's difficult to, to get places to pick it up and put it on their shelves because for the most part, people don't quite know what cider is or what this kind of cider is. Yeah. There are places that are really committed to it that do great, you know, like Redfield in California, the place in Oakland I mentioned and the cellar door in Ithaca, they've been like trailblazers forever. Um, since they opened for cider there's and so finding those places and getting at least if there are places that understand it on that level trying to make sure that they have it that's great um but yeah other than that i think it's a lot of just direct you know trying to do direct sales through the through you know ups or fedex is so should we open the next cider sure we have next Yeah. yeah Got a couple. We'll stick. Uh, let's see. We'll do another dry one. This is the 2019 full bloom. And people, I'm sure people in the audience are skeptical. Oh, dry cider. I don't believe it. But it's you know, it has the residual sugar posted on the back of the bottle of the first one. 0.0. 0. <laughs> yep. yep. There's none left in there. Uh, this next one is called Full Bloom Orchard. And this one is is made from the estate-grown fruit here. Our first vintage was uh, with this fruit was 2017, and we also did 2018, 2019, 2020. There's going to be no 2020 full bloom because uh, there just wasn't much much fruit. The trees can go get very biennial sometimes, and um, yeah. And this is this is one of the champagne method, uh, bone dry. There's no dosage, and it has all of the all of the fruit from this orchard that year except the kingston black the kingston black we did a single varietal from that as well and the apples in this one are the apples predominantly probably um golden russet porter's perfection dabinet and then there's also at least at least another six varieties tremlet's bitter bramley's seedling and that's something that I think people need to understand too. You, it, it, we're not going to have like a, you know, like a Chardonnay. You're not going to have very many single varietal bottlings of of, of cider, right? Right. Yeah. Although although we're doing more and more. Right. Which is it, you know, even if they're not, even if like a single varietal Golden Russet, isn't necessarily the the perfect balance. You know, like if, even if I knew I could make it better by having 25% Porter's Perfection in there or something. It's great to bottle those single varietals to just show yeah. what they are and also how they differ from year to year. Um, so, yeah, we've done, I'd say we probably do four or five single varietals each year, but it's only one or two barrels of each. And so what would be, like, what is the uh, apple? Golden Russet or Northern Spy or, or what would be the apples of the Finger Lakes, like the ones that are traditionally here? Yeah, I mean those two right there because yeah. they're they're from this region and so they work really well. Um, but we're we're all experimenting with other varieties just to see. I mean Porter's Perfection works really well. That um, it has uh, a lot of structure to it, a lot of a lot of energy. 
and Baldwin works great because of the acid, really high acid. Um, the and Mo, Portis is uh, from England, but the rest that we're talking about are all from either New York or at least from the Northeast. Baldwin's from Massachusetts. Do particular apples uh, make better still cider versus sparkling? Yeah, it's exactly like wine grapes. So you know you wouldn't make a bubbly out of a cab sauv, and. And um, so the still was, it was all crab apples, right? That was all crab apples. Like, they, were they wild? Those, no, they were pollinator crab apples. Okay, okay. From orchards. So most people are like, crab apples, you know. I used to right. throw them at my friends as a kid, you know. <laughs> yeah, people don't think of eating these kinds of crab apples because to bite into them, they're not that pleasant. They're really acidic and really tannic. They dry out your mouth. But it's like chewing on a wine grape. Most people probably haven't necessarily chewed on a wine grape, but wine grapes have that much flavor that you they aren't really all that pleasant to eat um and so that's why they have so much flavor and make a really good beverage so it's the same same with cider apples most of the cider apples that we love are very bitter um, they can be quite astringent or they're very acidic they're they're not the most pleasant apples and they're not crispy that's one thing you know the big differentiation is with grocery store apples they're bred to be crispy and a little sweet and a little tart but mainly they have to be crispy that's what they're looking for where cider apples you don't even want them to be crispy because they press better if they're kind of spongy and so the texture is different the flavor is different same with grapes a table grape you want to pop it in your mouth and have it be crunchy and a little sweet little tart you don't want to like wince when you chew on it 